show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it's gone right to my head. Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing this song. Show me the way to go home. Welcome to the virtual pub for some drinks, trivia and social history with absolutely no tasting notes. I'm Tim and I'm joined by my drinking buddy, Ileri. What are we serving today? I've just served some mulled wine. Mm, you certainly have. Yum. I can smell it. It's warm. It's in my hands because... <laughs> Sorry, I just realised what that sounded like. Um, because we are face to face for a second time to do our seasonal special of warm Christmassy things we're fresh off the back of some very delicious port and um, we could only really follow that with some hot tasty spicy mulled wine I feel it's all festive right now yeah I also feel very festive so I think we want to gift each other some prezzies but we should probably save that for the end of the session what should we chat about um I love a Christmas market mm-hmm love Christmas market. Do you mean like the really traditional ones where you can get mulled wine and gingerbread and pretty things? Yes, they do a lot of them in the UK, but I honestly think the European ones are the way to go. Yeah, they absolutely are. In particular, I feel like um, we get a lot of German Christmas markets over here, but the Belgian ones, mm -hmm. if we're talking drinks specifically, I think they take it to another level. Mm -hmm. Um, so not only do they have kind of all the traditional pretty stuff, but they have Christmas beer festivals, and, you know, aside from all the sort of spicy mulled wines and stuff. So cursed beer, they call it, traditional Christmas beers. They, um, they ha do have similar styles to that through most of Europe, and the beers go a bit darker, a bit spicier at this time. In this country, they're often called winter warmers, but they're cursed beers if you go over to Belgium. However, the influence does seem to have come from the popularity of British beers in Europe after World War I. So you find um, them selling things on kind of posters and stuff like Whitbread Stouts and McEwan's Scotch Ale. Um, and they, McEwan's even did an old Scotch Christmas Ale. Mm -hmm. They became super popular after World War I. By the 1930s, in fact, Scottish breweries were being commissioned to make beers just for the Belgian market. So they became really popular, and then by the 1940s, you get the likes of Navy's Christmas Ale, which does sound very British, but is actually being brewed in Brussels itself. Mm. So they're taking a lot of inspiration from the sort of British winter warmers, and it really suits the Brussels palette, becomes quite distinctive of them then. And from the 1940s, you then get um, monks taking on the sort of the Trappist style to try and do these dark ales rather than you know the sort of clear or blonde styles that they were doing before. So you get Chimay Bleu, and that's a dark, spicy beer. It started selling year-round in 1954, but began life as a seasonal bière de Noël in 1948. So yeah, some of the sort of year-round spicy Belgian ales mm. were seasonal ones inspired by British ales. But I'm guessing they were so good they became year-round? Yeah, exactly, from the 1950s onwards. That's mm -hmm. kind of where we think they come from. Mm. So I said there's a specific festival for these types of beers. 
the Cursed Beer Festival in Essen. Essen is on the border of Belgium, right next to the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. So you can go a train ride away from Brussels. Um, it's organised, it's officially known as the OBER Christmas Beer Festival. It's the Objective Beer Tasters Essen Region, it stands for. So for two days, they have this festival. Visitors can taste about 170 Belgian Christmas and winter beers, specifically. You get them in um, 15 centiliter tasting glasses, which you can buy with tokens at the festival. Um, and they say, you know, you're going to get some of the best Christmas beers in the world there. Um, lots of award-winning things, interesting kind of classics and rarities. The reason it's only 15 centiliter centiliter tasting glasses is because the average ABV is 10%. So you're going to get strong Christmas beers and if you want to taste all the wide variety you've got to have little samples. <laughs> um, so I know that um, in the 2019 festival when it last happened um, there were about 3,000 people that attended it and um, the one that seems to have gone the most praise over the years that keeps kind of winning and is never really out of the top 10 is one called Stille Nacht by De Dolle Breuers, um, brewed specifically for Christmas. You can't get it all year round. It's quite hard to get hold of, actually. I sort of tried because it's won so many times. <laughs> um, people really love it. Weird fact about it, it has the highest density of any Belgian beer. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, in order to get that sort of really strong, spicy, malty Christmas taste, they boil it for quite a long yeah, yeah. time. So, you know, it evaporates a lot of the water and um, infuses a lot of the, the flavours. And they use dry nugget yeast as well. So I think it becomes, yeah, this kind of quite viscous thing. But dry people, nugget yeast. Yeah. Mm. But people absolutely love it. Uh, so the last time it happened was 2019, obviously, because, you know, various restrictions, because the pandemic and stuff, it didn't happen last year. <laughs> and uh, people thought it was going to happen this year. But we've sort of had recent news over the past few days that it's not going to happen because of other stuff that's happening so you know try to imagine a bit of this yeah. belgian christmas market bring to you orally if not in person <laughs> um another thing obviously the brussels market now yeah. this one is very special uh heartily recommend just kind of having a trip through it if you haven't managed to yet uh, locally it's known as the plaisir d'hiver the winter fun um this is the most famous of the Christmas markets in Belgium. It's not specifically a beer festival, it's just a Christmas market. Um, but every year it has more than 3 million visitors. And there's 260 wooden chalets along a two and a half kilometre long route in the city centre. Um, it's got, you know, the usual stuff, large ice skating rink, fairground attractions. But it also has lots of really impressive light and sound um, shows, installations, sculptures, that kind of thing in the Grand Place. You can look at the, the sort of the map in the city centre, it sort of takes over the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, very pretty. Uh, so obviously you can get your Christmas gifts, um, and lots of food, but of course you can get lots of booze as well. All the kind of beers and spicy hot wines and all that sort of stuff. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention that's quite booze related um, is of course mannequin piss <laughs> <laughs> mannequin piss if you're not aware dutch for little pissing man um it's quite a it's it's a small statue but it's a very famous uh, landmark in brussels it's only 61 centimeters bronze fountain sculpture 
uh, but people seem to really like this sort of um, <laughs> this naked little boy urinating into the fountain's basin. Uh, it was designed by a Bramantine sculptor called Jerome de Kessnoy the Elder, and it was put in around sort of 1618-19. There are legends that surround it. it will come on to drinks at some point. I'm not going to advocate drinking something questionable. <laughs> um, so there are several legends behind it, but the most famous one involves Duke Godfrey III of Leuven. So in 1142, the troops of this two-year-old lord were battling against the troops of the Bertots, the lords of Grimbergen in Ransbecker, which is the northern part of the city of Brussels. And to give themselves courage, the soldiers placed the infant lord in a basket, which they hung from a large oak tree overlooking the battlefield. And his men were in dire straits, so the little two-year-old duke <laughs> supposedly <laughs> rose up in the basket and from his perch in the tree urinated onto the troops of the, of the enemies of the Bertots, uh, who then eventually went on to lose the battle, presumably because they were covered in infant wing. Um, so apparently the fountain perpetuates the memory of that victory <laughs> and uh, the name of the, the street it's on, the, uh, the Rue de Chêne, is the, the Oak Tree Street. Um, and that's the corner of the, uh, uh, the street where the statue is located. There's a society founded in 1954 called the Order of the Friends of Manakempis, <laughs> um, who has more than 150 members, and their objective is to stimulate cultural, tourist, philanthropic and commercial development of Belgium in general, more particularly to preserve the traditions linked to Manakempis. <laughs> Um, the order is always present during the ceremonies surrounding the presentation of new costumes and during the statues, official greetings and anniversaries. So you know how like in city centres, students always deface statues yeah, with traffic cones or yeah. whatever. They actively encourage putting costumes <laughs> on this mannequin as part of their traditions. So certain folkloric occasions, for example, they have um, a festival of... Saint Verhagen, which is actually a celebration of the University of Brussels, the Free University of Brussels, um, where Mannequin Piss is hooked up to a keg of beer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a cap and gown, but no. No. <laughs> no. The, cost the costumes are really varied. You get like him playing a saxophone, dressed as Dracula. <laughs> like they're not historical sensibles, or they're really silly, but they love to do it for different occasions. But yeah. This um, on the the um, the university day, it's hooked up to a keg of beer, and then he fills cups um, of beer flowing from the statue given out to passers-by. Mm. So if you want beer coming out of a child's weenie in a public fountain, that's where you can go and do that. Noted. I will put it on. But the yeah, you list. can you can look at mannequin piss costumes, and there's an endless array of ridiculous things that it's <laughs> it's dressed him in all sorts of like fantasy and comedy creations. Um, one more thing I was going to say about it is <laughs> in 2019, there was a monopoly, you know, a monopoly version of Brussels, yes. you know how they do sort of all the cities and, um, Hasbro, the, the game makers decided they were going to censor mannequin piss and they put him in swimming trunks. <laughs> Prudes. How prudish is that? How's he meant to wee on the troops? Little, little statues weenie. Like, it's really, I, I mean, I'd be very offended if I was a Brussels person. I would not buy that version. No, absolutely <laughs> not. So, yeah, that was, I wanted to, um, 
that was also my justification for talking about mannequin piss is that occasionally he he wheezes beer and you he can drink beer it and he dresses up yep have you seen a mannequin piece recently uh well not recently last time i was in brussels was quite a few years ago there is a mannequin piece in my kitchen do you mean you're wetting yourself as we speak no my husband it's my husband right no there's um there see yes the mannequin piece on my kitchen windowsill brought to me by my friend from uh brussels she bought me a little miniature mannequin piece. She'd also bought me a chocolate mannequin piece, but mm-hmm. her dog ate it before I managed to get it. <laughs> so, did not get a mannequin piece. Oh, that's not fun. There's one more I wanted to mention, which is Gratis de Vonk. Mm. Um, and this is located inside a network of 2,000-year-old limestone caves in the centre of Basenga. So it has like 80 stools, and rather than selling gifts, focuses on kind of um, gourmet food, local produce, and all that sort of stuff. So you are, the pictures are amazing. You're wandering around all these old cave systems and mm-hmm. the stalls within it, and there's people eating and drinking. In fact, within these caves, there's a permanent restaurant that serves uh, mushrooms that are cultivated in the cave. Oh, so you can go there and eat cave mushrooms. I would love that. I love you that just sort like of stuff in caves, it would seem. I love caves. <laughs> I like mushrooms. <laughs> on the list um since we're talking about belgium i feel like we should talk about chocolate mm, yeah um so how would you marry chocolate and our podcast well liqueur chocolates Obviously, presumably boozy chocolate um we all know what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are you a fan i know it's a bit of a yeah yes or no oh. hard like absolutely completely i i went through a, a little phase with um an old housemate where we had a tradition every Wednesday, I would bring home cherry liqueur chocolates and we would scoff them all. How did that while... become a thing? Because... <laughs> so there was, um, on the way, so I used to come home from work and we had a tradition of watching Desperate Housewives together on a Wednesday evening. And I would go past a like M&S food at Charing Cross Station mm. and I'd nip in and buy a bottle of rosé and they had these really nice cherry liqueur chocolates. <laughs> I would bring them home and we ate them saying that because it was fruit, it was one of our five a day. Nice. And we would scoff the whole thing in a bottle of rosé on a Wednesday evening. And it just became a bit of like a tradition. So yes, I do like them. Well, I looked into how many or how much liqueur chocolate you'd have to drink in order to get drunk. <sighs> now, you see, I've, I've wondered this so many times because it is age restricted. Yes. Like it's, you know, you're not allowed to buy liqueur chocolates if you're under 18, which yeah. I thought, really? Mm. Well, I can tell you. Okay. So this, uh, this is maths. You <laughs> 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 can talk numbers. Um, you okay, so if you take um, 100 grams of, uh, we're going to do Quantro chocolate for this. Okay, uh, for scientific purposes. For science, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 100 gram block of Cointreau chocolate. So 8% of the chocolate bar would be the booze. And according to the label, it's 40% alcohol by volume. Right. So there's around 8 mils of booze per block. Yes. 100 grams. Now, obviously, a standard shot... It's 25 in the UK, in Belgium it's yep. a bit more, as we discovered in our previous conversations. So because we're in Belgium, I've gone for 300ml. Mm-hmm. 
editorial insert, I'm pretty sure she means 30 mil, not 300, but with Lyra, you never know. So a standard shot, 300 mil, you would need to eat four blocks of the 100 grams chocolate just to have one shot of Cointreau. Right. So really, speaking on averages here, if you wanted to be over the legal limit, mm -hmm. you would need to eat seven blocks of 100 grams. So have 700 grams of chocolate. Not going to pretend I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's just over the legal limit, mm -hmm. which isn't you know a huge amount. It's sure. two pints. Um, but to get drunk, like if you wanted to be properly drunk, mm -hmm. You'd probably have to eat around two kilos mm -hmm. of that chocolate. Not going to pretend I've never done that. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone out there who would like to get drunk on liquid chocolate, yeah. two kilos. I love that. That was some good facting. Anyway, not going to talk about chocolate anymore. Going to talk about another drink that is popular in Brussels uh, Christmas markets. And you'll get drunk a bit quicker if you drink them. Mm -hmm. uh, you've spoken about it previously. It is Geneva. Ah, I spoke about this in the very early episode at some point. Which is why I don't it, remember. Which is why I don't remember. <laughs> I think all I really said about it, though, was that it was sort of the inspiration for gin. It came from the Netherlands when, when Britain had William of Orange, who was also the Dutch ruler. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to bring his Dutch courage, as we yeah. know, gin over. And it was born out of that. I think that's pretty much all I said. Yeah. So I, I delved into it because uh, it's a real big deal in the Brussels uh, and Belgian Christmas markets. So Geneva is known as Holland's Gin, uh, Geneva, Peckett, Dutch Gin, lots of names. Mm -hmm. uh, dates back to the 1500s. So it's uh, traditional liquor in the Netherlands, Belgium, and adjoining areas in northern France and northwest Germany. Mm -hmm. It does have a protected designation of origin, mm -hmm. so it can only be made in those areas. Um, so as you probably mentioned, gin was developed in Britain after the introduction of Geneva. Uh, so it was originally made using uh, by distilling malt wine to 50% ABV which back in the 1500s tasted disgusting because they didn't really have any refined distilling techniques. Um, so to mask such bad flavours, they'd add herbs. And then obviously the juniper berry was added for medical benefits back then. It was quite popular to be a medicinal uh, flavouring. So they were obviously getting very drunk on Geneva and saying it was medicinal. But by 1606, the Dutch had started taxing it, so it was no longer seen as a medical remedy. Um, there are two types of Geneva, old and young. Now, this doesn't actually have anything to do with the age. It's to do with the distilling techniques. So the old is the one I've already mentioned. It's the malt wine, and it's a nice golden colour. And it's distilled through old techniques, and it's not uh, not as pure and clear and like we imagine gin. Essentially, mm -hmm, it's, it's mm -hmm. not. It's just got a golden colour, and that's between thirty and forty-eight percent. The young uh, Geneva that came along more in the nineteenth century, when obviously we were a little bit better at distilling stuff. That is a neutral grain alcohol. It can be as high as 96% ABV, 
um, but it doesn't have that grainy taste that you get with the old Geneva and it's mm -hmm. a nice clear colour as well. Turn my notes over. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Geneva is traditionally served in a tulip shaped glass so you'll have seen them they're quite big they're essentially like a miniature version of the glasses that we get like an Irish coffee in yep. those tulip shaped uh, glasses uh, so it's filled right to the brim uh, the young Geneva is served at room temperature with some sugar and a tiny spoon to mm -hmm. stir it in it can also be served cold and on the rocks uh, old Geneva is also served at room temperature, but um, they ha they have different ways of drinking it. It tends not to be one that you'll sup because I think I guess it has quite a not as nice flavor. And I it's personal preference, mm -hmm. but it's got a bit of a taste to it. So they tend to do it with beer. Um, so they will either drink it as a chaser with beer, which is a cop stout. Um, which I quite like it actually. Copstoot means headbutt. Oh, that's a great term <laughs> for it. Yeah. So yeah, you have a sip of your larder, and then you, your Geneva will kind of headbutt you essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, people will drop some uh, a shot of Geneva into the beer glass mm -hmm. with their beer, and that's known as a dweek boot, a submarine. Oh, that's cute. I feel like uni students would do that. Like feels you, like a I feel like you would do yeah, that. Yeah, I would do that, totally. <laughs> My uni students. Um, or sometimes people will have it straight from the freezer in a full shot glass. Mm -hmm. And when I say full, I mean full. They mm -hmm. fill it right to the top so that you can't actually pick it up without it spilling. You have to bend over and slurp some out before you can actually pick it up. Mm -hmm. So it seems like the old is more of a kind of party piece and people just do silly things with it. Um, but yeah, back to Christmas markets, it is very popular. They serve it a lot and they add lots of flavours to it. Traditionally, it's the younger Geneva there because it's easier to flavour and it's not going to be as pungent. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they flavour it with all kinds of stuff. Some of them sounded really fun. Um, ones I found were lemon, vanilla, cactus, hazelnut, apple, chocolate. So all different kinds and it's it's very kind of common that in all of the Christmas park markets you'll have your beer stall, your mulled wine stall, but you'll have a very specific stall for Yenneva and all different yeah. flavours as well. I'm a big fan of all those flavours. Mm -hmm. Also, I can totally imagine the context of this if you're in a cold winter Christmas market. Mm -hmm. I mean, hot drinks are nice and everything, but they do get cold quickly. Sometimes what you need is just a quick shot of an intense spirit to get the blood flowing yeah yeah they do also mix them with coffee mm -hmm. um not so much so at the christmas markets i think the stalls are quite you know just pour the shot and drink but um if you're at home you would easily mix in like a hazelnut yenna in with your coffee mm -hmm. much like i suggested earlier that we put amaretto in our mouth you did suggest that but we've already had half a bottle of port <laughs> and <laughs> I felt like we were pushing our luck in terms of getting through this recording but add a third kind of factor to the mix. Um, just to finish up, because mm -hmm. we can't make it to Belgium this year for Christmas markets, yeah. there is a way to tr taste it, not at the Christmas market. Uh, there's a museum. Ooh. I mean, we've discovered several fun museums in Prague. Yes. My favourite being the Freaks Museum. Well, that was in Bruges, not in Prague. 
Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm talking about the Lady Chetney. Speaking Prague. of mixing drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of half a bottle of port. Prague, to remind you, Prague was the sex toy museum. Prague was Bruges a sex toy. Bruges was the chip museum. Bruges was the chip museum. I also went to a sausage museum in Berlin. So sure. forgive me for getting mixed up. I go to the weird museums. You, you forget which phallic museum you've been to. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. When we went to Bruges, we went to the chip museum. We did. Lots of stories. Can I just say day. on that one, by the way? <laughs> I, I wanted to go and see. Didn't I want to go and see like a Rembrandt exhibit? Yeah, you and I got overruled by chips. Yeah. You wanted to Vote be sensible. Outvoted. I mean, yeah. Who wouldn't want to go You to regret chips? nothing, I'll say I that. I don't. I had a great time. <laughs> uh, so there is a museum for Geneva in Hasselt in Belgium. Um, the building was previously a fully operational uh, Geneva distillery in the 19th century. Mm. So it's a very nice building. Uh, I did go on their website and they have so much stuff going on. They have like a really, really good looking list of events. They have live music, they have pop-up markets. And so if you don't want to try the Geneva, you might want to just pop in anyway, because it sounds great. But they've got all the different flavors and they do like tastings and mm -hmm. flights. And so now I've done that research, I'm sold and it's been added to the list. Great. More additions to the spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. I like it. <laughs> so I thought we should just acknowledge briefly some of the Belgian Christmas traditions mm -hmm. about how they exchange presents and then we can exchange our own presents. Yes. Yeah. Um, so first of all, um, they sort of have two Santas in the Belgian tradition because Saint Nicholas visits those who speak the Walloon language, which is a dialect of French from parts of Belgium, and those who speak French are visited by Père Noël. And the first visit that happens from Saint Nick is the 4th of December. So Saint Nicholas comes over from Spain and evaluates which children are good and which are bad, and on the evening of the 5th of December he returns to reward the good children with gifts of sweets and toys, um, and children leave their shoes or baskets beside the door for their gifts and on stockings. Uh, you, they might also leave out some hay for the horse rather than, you know, sharing mince pies or anything. The children who are naughty do not get the sweets and toys. Instead, they get a bunch of wooden sticks, <laughs> a.k.a. a faggot. <laughs> Um, so don't worry though, like that isn't their only Christmas present day. They still get presents on Christmas day. Mm -hmm. So they get double December presents if they're religious enough to celebrate St. Nicholas. Um, they have a, they have their really big Christmas meal on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um, in Belgium, but then they'll do presents on Christmas day. But I wonder if it's because they have a, the big, the big meal on Christmas Eve and because they've got such strongly alcoholic Christmas beer mm -hmm. that Belgians um, are on average the second to last worldwide to get up on Christmas Day. Yeah. I think that's a great fact. So on average they get up just after 9am yeah. on Christmas Day in Belgium. Have you heard that before? Yeah, so I used to work for a Belgian company. Of course. And my boss was Belgian and... Um, I remember at our, at our Christmas market, uh, Christmas market, our Christmas party, <laughs> he came over for it uh, to Wales and I was chatting to him because I was sat next to him and I was asking him like what his Christmas plans were uh -huh. and he was saying to me about what his plans were for Christmas Day and Christmas Eve and 
yeah, his plans for Christmas Eve were way more intense than his yeah. plans for Christmas Day. It was like, oh yeah, we don't do much on Christmas Day, really. Yeah. We get up late and... They yeah. have they have a lie-in. They're, they're quite Christian country in general, Belgium, so they tend to do like the churchy things, you mm-hmm. know, the mass and all that sort of stuff on Christmas Day, but generally have a lie-in. Do you know um, which country has the longest lie-in, which is a few minutes after Belgium has an lie-in? Hmm. Is it Wales? Because I don't get up that early. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think you should judge Wales by your behaviour. <laughs> Otherwise, you're all damned. <laughs> um, no, I feel like in general, Britain are early risers for Christmas Day because everything we do is like Christmas Day focused for presents. Yeah. Like they get up quite early. Yeah, it's generally the kids are up early. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually Brazil. Nice. Yeah, they're the latest risers worldwide. I can get on board with that. That's it. That's all I want to say about Belgian Christmas. Should we do presents? Yes, please. Okay, so I can see that you've got two presents wrapped on the table. Mm-hmm. Are they both for me? They are both for you. Holy cow. I, yeah. Um, I've got one present for you. Yeah, I mean... And it's not wrapped. It's, because I never do. I'm renownedly <laughs> a lazy wrapper. <laughs> I'm like, get to the good stuff, cut the rubbish. Yeah, I've got... One one nice present and one silly present. Okay, so do you want to give me one? I'll give you one, then you give me one back. I never want you to give me one. But also, should we do the presents? <laughs> uh, do you want your nice one or your silly one first? Um, I think we should start silly. Okay. Then there's this one. By the way, last year you gave me a booze-themed present. Uh, do you remember? It wasn't for Christmas. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Do you want while I open this? Do you want to tell the folks what you what boost theme present you gave me last year? So, on first look, it's a bottle of beer. Mm-hmm. But if you take the bottom off, so yeah. not the top where the lid where you drink the beer. If you take no. the bottom off, it's a sex toy for men. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Thank you. Um. It actually sits among where I keep my other alcohol, just waiting for someone to pick it up and go, what's this? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Listeners, um, if you tuned in to the Pub Snacks episode, you'll have heard, not for the first time, me complaining about Larry's choice of crisps <laughs> and the awful, awful time she bought Prosecco crisps. And then she bought them for herself again <laughs> to remind her how disgusting they were. Yeah. And she still ate them. So my present, my first present is those very same crisps. <laughs> so I've now bought them three times. <laughs> Hand-cooked winterberry and fizz crisps. They're the most disgusting thing you can put in your mouth. And you have, you are like the main purchaser of this now. You yeah. bought three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I like the. I think they've rebranded them to Winterberry and Fizz because everyone knows how bad the Prosecco crisps are. <laughs> the ingredients are just like raspberry juice and sodium bicarbonate. <laughs> <laughs> it's sugar, acid, another kind of acid, <laughs> and some potatoes. Merry Christmas. Oh, I can't describe my disappointment. <laughs> imagine if that was your only present <laughs> that was it if that was it i'd be keeping the one i'm about to give you <laughs> okay well um thank you you're welcome all right here's yours um it's not wrapped so maybe you should close your eyes and i'll put it in your hands oh god I and then i'll give you the not present this again <laughs>
And then. I don't know how, how okay. wide Keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. Okay. Oh, it's heavy. It's heavy. Hang on, I'm going to give you the present now. <laughs> <laughs> you can open your eyes. You can do it now. Ooh. Oh, that's a nice bun. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the present? I love the present. Yes. Oh my gosh, there's so many boobs on here. <laughs> you may want to describe it beyond the boobs and the bums. I am holding a large golden book. Oh, Dali, the Wines of Gala. It's such a satisfying looking book as well. It's an enormous Tashin book. Um, so this is, oh, yes. this is sort of um, Dali's like, feelings on wine and although like other people have written the um the histories of different wines mostly of like France um mm -hmm. he's done the art throughout the book so he's done paintings and illustrations and have conversations and so forth if you get to page 20 there might be a good painting you might want to describe it's beautiful this one how would you describe this for um, example imagine the mannequin piss yep but with a goat and the troops are just a naked woman. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. It's kind of, it's a, yeah, it's a goat. It's a goat weeing on a lady. And he's yeah. got massive testicles as well. He has, he has. There's a whole story behind that you will find when you read it. I will. Um, it's also peppered throughout in like little boxes with quotes from like philosophers and writers and stuff all about wine and some of them are absolute choice i've already found a great one rising early is no happiness drinking earlier is far better <laughs> yeah there's a lot of really bad advice in this book which i thought you'd appreciate <laughs> this is now my life handbook <laughs> yeah this is your guide to philosophy yes. you don't need to listen to me talk about it anymore you can just refer to this oh, this is beautiful mm. thank you you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Do let us know in a future episode how it how it goes. How it's going. Yeah. I'm sorry about the crisps. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really hope your next present makes up for it now because um... I mean it's just more crisps put in a box. <laughs> Here's your second gift. Oh, thank you, dear. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go for the next one. Ah. Uh, Sorry, I'm ripping it now. Eager. Ooh. Well, I can, I can already see something which is much classier and pleasing. Than, uh, it's a tequila carafe. And looking at the box, it's beautiful. Let's get it out and um, mm. touch it. And then I'm going to open the present. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Some Buble wrap. Mm-hmm. Michael Buble wrap. Festive. Oh. Yeah. Now this is very pleasing. So it's a blown um, <laughs> glass flask, and within it is forms like an agave plant and green glass um, leaves and stems that will be surrounded by some beautiful tequila once I fill it. That is. 
yeah okay you've, you've redeemed yourself okay okay good all is forgiven for those <laughs> atrocious crisps because this is uh, uh yeah this is beautiful thank yeah. you very much you're very welcome let's drink some tequila with it mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's been another year merry oh. christmas happy new so and so i feel like we should do another traditional sober edition for the first one in january like we did with um water last year just to mm, kind yeah. of cleanse the palate as it were i'll have a think what All i can right. talk about that's not water but yeah also not booze maybe coffee i mean we have we have got down in the schedule exactly what it is so um <laughs> i could just tell you it's tea <laughs> <laughs> guess who produces this podcast folks i was, I was close <laughs> you, were, you were pretty close you, were, you know it's, it's nearly <laughs> We've done coffee houses before, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, our glasses have run dry, which means it's time to steam our Brussels and pair our new owls. Cheers, everybody! Cheers! Wherever I may roam, on land or sea or home, you can always hear me singing this song, show me the way to go home.